ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Some of the best elk hunters in the world. Across the canyon, pop up the other side, and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off and say, I'm the best one, not you. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them. you got to close that distance really quick on him. And if he's going to engage that much, that's a dead bull. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. We we will go into some some stuff for yeah. sure. I don't want to play around. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it, man. Yeah, brother. Are you excited about this this season? Huh? Are you excited about this season? Huh? Are you excited about this season? Huh? Are you excited about this season? Huh? Are you excited? Oh yeah! That ain't a real question, is it? Come on, brother. <laughs> Man, I you know I've been calm. I've been collected. I haven't I haven't been saying too much. And dude, like last week, I don't know what it was. I woke up and I was itching. Like, let's get this. Got the bug. Oh, dude! It, like, bug. like I just been trying to, I just been trying to be cool, calm, and collected about it. You know what I mean? And it's sometimes right. that anticipation just makes because you know the last month is horrible. <laughs> August is the worst month of the year. <laughs> it is. It is, and <laughs> anticipation builds. But what I like to use August for is a staging process, almost like elk, right? They staging pre-rut. Mm-hmm. Use that August month as a pre-rut. But what happens to, to most of us, and I, I'm guilty of it too, because you have life. It's life outside of just being a hunter. And you have things like today, I just got, you know, a phone call today. Hey, uh, 
August 24th through August 26th, you got to fly out to Penn State and, uh, and do some work up there. I'm like, well, I said, man, I said, so I go to U20 World Championships um, from August 14th through August 20th. I come back. I'm on, I let, I hit ground on August uh, 20th. And then on August 24th, I, I have to leave again. And I'm so burnt, but it's okay. It's okay. That's life. So what I got to do is I got to prep between, between mm-hmm. that and make sure I'm ready. Right. But I know what's going to happen. When I get back from that trip, all hands on deck, get my stuff ready pack up, be ready to go for September. So that, that kind of, I hate to even pass it by, but man, that kind of rolls us right into this episode almost perfectly, bro. <laughs> you know, That's, I'm, I'm glad I opened up that conversation. Here. Yeah. I, so this, okay. So Jermaine Hodge, um, you guys don't know Jermaine. I'm sorry. You shouldn't know him. If you, shame on you. If you, you're an elk hunter and you don't know who this man is. Jermaine and I were talking, shooting the BS a week or so ago, and uh, so man, let's get on. Let's get let's get this this last minute scramble episode in. You know, um, I get you know you field questions and and emails and DMs and whatnot, and more this year than I've experienced in previous years, um, where it just seems like man, folks are behind the curve. Uh, in terms of, in in my opinion, in, ter- in terms of where they should be this close to season. Um, not shooting broadheads, wondering if, you know, this call sounds okay. Asking, you know, the differences between, you know, this call, that call, and the other call and whatnot. And I was like, you know what, we're just going to jump on, do an episode, and kind of talk about the scramble. You know, if, if you, if life... Like you said, if life got in the way a little bit and you got that tag um, and you've only had a, a month and a half, two months of preparation, hopefully it's not any less than that. I certainly hope you've been shooting that bow. I wanted to get Jermaine on um, and talk about it. So welcome, brother. Glad to have you back on, man. Um, it's always thanks for an having honor, me. Man. Thanks always for- an honor. Yep. Thanks, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's, it's cool. So, man, how are the worlds? Well, you know, it wasn't a disappointment. It was some great callers this year. Um, I would say that being that that life, we just talking about life, like life gets in a way. My career kind of, you know, takes the, the, the front of things. And then I also want to do the hunting thing and getting out here and shaking hands and everything. And, and, but at the same time, I love competing. And the bad thing about it is I wish I had more time to practice. And I explained this to Dirk and Jason, uh, from, from, uh, Phelps game calls, man, I just didn't have a lot of time to practice, but that's okay. I showed up to compete and it was game on. And, um, lo and behold myself, I, I end up getting to the semis with Corey Jacobson from Elk 101 and 
you know, we talking about a 10 time world champion. That dude's good. He, he is stellar. He sounds like elk. He speaks elk. He knows how to hunt and he knows how to do the stage competition. And that was an honor to, to, to compete against him. I wish, I wish the score would have been a little different. There were seven judges. It was, it was five, seven. And so to say you scored on Jason, I mean, uh, Corey is, is an honor, right? Yes, sir. That's an honor. That means a lot. And then, um, and then I went down and dropped. So if you, you place, if you, if you're in the top eight is double elimination at that point. And then I got eliminated the next round. And, um, but it was good, man. It was some great callers. I would say hands down the top eight were legit. They were really good. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm really just talking about everybody mm-hmm. else. They were super good and they were they were good callers. And I know that those callers that were in the top eight probably get it done year in, year out in the woods, without a doubt. And uh and and kudos to my son for breaking through on the top four. Uh he got a good placement in the bracket because that youth bracket. That youth bracket is so deep. Those got those those top three that finished could finish in in really Man. high with the men too. In the men's too, yeah, they they're getting so good. Man, some, uh, dude, I, I, you know, some of them kids, dude, is it's unbelievable. They, and a lot of them ain't even putting a diaphragm in their mouth. Some of them are just vocal. Right. It's crazy, and it's right. like what? Right, right. The top four use diaphragms um, for sure. Uh, the the top three, their their voices are really deep. My son's voice is not as deep as theirs, but he broke through and he he did really really good. And uh, uh, you know, I took him over to uh to the hunt hunt event in Shields this this past weekend, and bro, he was selling more calls than I was, and <laughs> and, and just by blowing the diaphragms, and the kids were like, I want to get one of those. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it is all about, passing it down, man. Passing I was going to say that that's a that's a really great aspect of it, right? Is is to watch him get to do his thing, something that he enjoys doing with you and partaking with you, and then get other kids excited about it. A lot of kids don't want to do it because they're a little bit embarrassed or they don't want to sound bad, you know. Or dad cracked a joke or two, and then they see him out there piping off and they're like, Oh, I can do this. I mean, that's that he's serving as inspiration for it, man. That's, that's amazing. That, that's right. That's right. I did a, uh, I did an elk calling seminar while I was there. And I said, at the very end, I said, well, listen, I, I told y'all I wasn't going to take and, and get into advanced calls, but I will talk about this one. I said, I told my son, Hadrian, Go ahead and throw a location bugle lip ball into a chuckle. And then afterwards, he he blew the call perfectly. And then everybody started clapping. Everybody was about 40 people in the room. And I told him, I said, that lip ball is a mature bull. If he starts lip balling like that, he's a mature bull. Or he's he's king dingling is what I call him. Mm-hmm. King dingling. They, they're the ones with with with. with with uh, the herd and, and they have the herd, you know, that those cows and stuff wrapped around it up. But usually when you hear that, it's a mature bull sound. And I said, 
But that didn't happen overnight. That's a lot of practice. And he's been doing that since he was a very little little kid. So, mm-hmm. but it was great. That's awesome, man. I, I, yeah, I love hearing him call and seeing it. It just excites me. Um, I can't imagine what, what these, some of these kids are going to be doing in, you know, 10, 12 years with it, you know, oh, they're going to run it. No. I, I won't be competing at that point because I'm <laughs> you gonna get beat by you gonna get beat by a twelve year old. <laughs> that's it, man. That's it. So but that's fine because you know what? You throw them in your backpack and you make them call around. in on the right. for you. Yep. Yep. And throw that sound right behind you. <laughs> yep. So so you said a couple things in there and, and the way, you know, whatever my head works, but you talk about, you know, competing against Corey and you just got beat by the herd bull. So <laughs> we just gonna leave it at that, right? Because there's no other yes. way to shake a stick at it, man. You got beat by the herd bull, big old seven right. by eight or something, four twenty bull. Yep, yep. That that dude, yeah, he can absolutely blow, man. It's amazing. But but the one thing that that really stood out, right? And and I want people to take note of it is that we're talking to a world class elk caller, someone that that calls in bull after bull during September. And I just needed more time to practice is what he said. That is huge. And it's not just for the stage calling me, knowing Jermaine, that's about the woods too, right? Because yes, we get up on stage, we do the calling seminars. There's some variation. There's some difference, but that practice and, and, you know, under that pressure, um, it's, it's very likened to being on the mountain chasing those animals, man. What's, what is your typical practice? How's a week look, say? Um, are you calling year round? Is this something that we pick up, you know, four or five months before season, you know, every other day? How's that look? Well, I, w- I would say this to like beginner callers and we can go into advanced callers, but I would say this to, to beginner callers. Practice as much as you can because it, let's say you, this is going to be your first elk hunt. Or maybe this is your second or third elk hunt, and you were you were unsuccessful during those hunts. What was the determining factor of that? It's you know honestly during the month of September, and we're talking about archery elk hunt. But but I will say this: elk communicate all year long. They communicate all year long. You can go through rifle season, and and if you know how to call in, call elk just to give their location away, then you're going to kill bulls. But I would, I would say this for me, what it looks like is I pick my calls up at least, at least three times for me, three times a week, three times a week for me. Now, when I was beginning and starting to like really get into it, and, and practice and hone my skills, it was every day. It was every day, 10 to 20, maybe even 30 minutes, maybe even longer. My wife would probably argue with me, it's way longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> and I would drive her crazy. But I needed to hone my skills. Now, as you get more advanced, now we're talking about like Olympians, right? Olympians, Olympians and Olympic athletes and Olympic medalists They practice tens of thousands of hours just to live that moment. So if 
if they are going to practice tens of thousands of hours, then why should you not practice tens of thousands of hours? And I'm not saying you got to spend oogahs of time doing this, but the more you practice, the better you're going to be. And then we go back to the youth, like the youth division in the competition. There's a kid, and that kid has been a two-time world champion at that division, and he practices four hours a day. That's insane. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but he is super good. He's so good. He's so good that I think, in my opinion, and we'll see next year, he's going up to the men's division at 16 years old, and he's going to win it at 16 years old. Wow. That's how good he is. That's how good he is. So, but it doesn't go to say, like, he ain't picking up his calls 30 minutes a day. He's picking up his calls. He has his calls on him all the time. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine him at school. <laughs> Walking I around. Be, I might lunch. have to whoop my son, but <laughs> because, because the teacher be like, he's always going down the hall making these elk sounds. Now we got to kick him out of school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't imagine. But if he's spending four hours during his summer months, he's probably not spending that much during the school months. But afterwards, I'd probably say he leaves school. He leaves school, knocks his homework out, and he probably spends two hours a day during school season. Just tooting. So, 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 for the beginner callers, do it as much as you can. Put on as many videos as you can, and practice as much as you can. That's what I was going to say. Consume, and that, and that's another another topic in it. Right? Is for me, you got to consume. Everything, everybody, Corey, Jermaine, Dirk, Michael, Paul, uh, Joe, consume everything. Chris Rowe, Chris is on another level, Mm -hmm. right? But it's what it does is you're going to find your niche in it. You're going to find, you're going to build your repertoire based on all those consumptives, all those, you know, experts that have been doing it successfully, um, that kill it on the calls. If you get, in my opinion, if you get trapped to one thing, you limit your business, like any, like sports, right? You got, you got a specialist for every area. You got a, you got a weight trainer, you got a cardio trainer. You got to diversify where you're getting your consumptives from. And then you're better suited in the woods. Cause you're not going to be in Jermaine's scenario or Dirk's scenario or Rose scenario. It's going to be different. The more you can consume, the better off you're going to be. It's a lot to take in, but like you said, there's a Absolutely. lot of time, man. You I, shoot. I ride around and that's all I'm doing. I'm just hitting play after play L collective, right? I just let it play. Just listen to it on the, on the truck. Chris Rowe, let it play right. podcast after podcast. Just, oh, Jermaine was on a podcast. Let me hear what he's talking about. You know, and just going after it, after it, after it. I don't think that, and there's no ending to it, right? I mean, it's always, it's always a learning curve with it. If you, who, who do you know that's hit the pinnacle that ain't got no more growth or no more improvement and they've achieved everything in elk hunting? Well, I'm going to tell you this. As a, as a wrestling coach, as a wrestling coach, I am still learning to this day, right? So, and I, and I, I use, my wrestling background as like the platform of 
you know, my elk hunting career, I will tell you this. I don't go into any practice thinking I know everything. I'm learning from these guys that are doing it a little different, but are successful. Mm -hmm. And then I take those techniques and use them for myself. So don't close any door. Don't think you know it all. Take all this knowledge and soak it in. And I promise you, dude, it's endless. It's endless. It's things that I don't know to this day right now. And I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. But everybody has like different techniques that you might need to break out one or two seasons that are going to work. That's going to work. So let's keep riding this this late prep train, right? So say a guy is is uh, he he got a decent bugle and he can make a few cow sounds, handful of sounds that that everyone should walk into the woods with, right? What what are those sounds? So I said this on a seminar just this past Saturday. Basic elk sounds are going to kill elk. Day in and year out, period. And that's going to be your calf sounds, your cow sounds. We're not talking about advanced sounds now. These are just basic sounds. So calf sounds, cow sounds, location bugles. Now, just to get a little bit more advanced than just the basic sounds, because sometimes they're harder to do, is your chuckles and your grunts. Those, those five, calf, cow, location, chuckles, and grunts. Once you know those five, and I'm going to call that the magical five. Once you know the magical five, you're going to kill elk year in and year out. And I would say, if you know your calf and cow sound and location bugle, those magical three, you are in the money. Then you can work on your chuckles and grunts later. So your magical three would be calf, cow, location bugle. Because all I want to do is locate that bull. He sounds off. He's on the other side of the ridge. All I'm saying is, hey, where you at? And he sounds off. And then I move into his location using the wind in my favor. And then I bust him with calf and cow sounds, calf and cow sounds. And that pulls, if it don't pull the herd bull, it pulls a bull. Those are your magical five, but your magic three, calf, cow, and location bugles. Yeah, you can't, if you can't find them, you can't kill them, so. That That's right. You're chasing ghosts. So you're chasing ghosts. How important are the quality? And this is this is a big one. Um, <laughs> me, I'm anal, but how important are the quality of those sounds? Um, if if that's all you got in your repertoire. Well, I would say this. Listen, you, everybody sounds different. Your voice is different than my voice. My voice is different than my wife's voice. My kids are different than me. So you're going to have elk that sound different, especially in the woods. Now, we're not talking about like stage quality stuff. We're competing on stage because on stage, your stuff it needs to be clean as possible. I will tell you, though, 
over years, elk have evolved. They know what the sounds like. Mm-hmm. They know it's hunting season. So if if you have more quality sounds than your opponents, meaning the other guys that are hunting, then you're going to draw in more bulls. And that's why I say practicing to, to mimic and sound like elk as close as possible, you've upped your game more than 50% over other hunters that are in the woods at the same time. So as clean as possible as you can make it, make it as clean as possible. You, you can have some deviations. It don't have to be perfect. You don't, you know, now, now you're making me reach for a diaphragm. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't have to be perfect. So a perfect cow sound might sound like this. Now, a non-perfect cow sound might sound like this. Somebody is working on their stuff, right? And I, I kind of threw some extra buzz in there. I didn't mean to do that. But but it it don't have to sound perfect in the woods because every voice is different. So your voice is different than mine. And last year I had, you know, it was a perfect example. I, we had a duck flutey bull that I thought it was a human. And then next thing you know, it was a bull. bull walking. And it was a huge, and it was a huge six by three. He's big. But you don't, you don't have to sound perfect in the woods, but you need to sound as elk. good as as elk. Mm-hmm. Now does that answer that question? Oh, absolutely it does. <laughs> it's oh, I almost, know we don't go down rabbit holes. It, it's almost it's almost rhetorical for me to ask it, but I think it's important for folks to hear it. Um when in doubt, shut up, right? You, you, you right. locate them, you get in there. Don't, we have this thing where we want to chase a chuckle and we want to get, we, we get emotional. I've gotten emotional, right? Kill one of the biggest bulls I was chasing. I killed it because I got caught up in the emotion. It's so fun, man. When you're going back and forth and you chuckling at them and they're chuckling back and they're fire and you know, they're fired up. You can, it's hard to control that, right? It's just fun. Like I'm like, I'm having a blast right here for me. I just laugh about it. Like if I blow the situation, I'm like, yeah, I screwed that one up, but God damn, that was fun. But there's a point where we have to say, you know what? I need to shut up here. And I need to go kill this bull. Um, where where would you say silence fits in? And I'm going to say, if you don't know how, if you're not confident in one, what you're saying language-wise, two, how that call sounds, then you need to just stay with those, <coughs> excuse me, magical three or magical five. You agree with that? Right, right. So last year, I, I'm going to give this story. I know I'm going to lose down a lot of rabbit holes, but it's going to answer your question. So last year, it was day one, opening of, of season. I don't have a tag. I'm helping my friends. And lo and behold, lo and behold, we moved into an area that we call, we nicknamed Serena's Hill. 
And that's my wife. She's killed the biggest bull in that area. It was a 340 bull, 340 satellite bull. Make that even better. 340 satellite bull. And we went in there and it, they, they, weren't, they, they weren't there. They weren't there. So we moved further back in and we nicknamed this area Jurassic Park because it's insane back there. No matter what, you're always going to find bulls back there. It might not be as many as it was when I was in there, but it's going to be some bulls in there. Now, when we moved in this area and we started to go back in a little deeper, which is about two, two and a half to three miles from the truck. And when we moved in this area, I threw out some cow sounds. And if you if, just follow me on Instagram and you can go back and look at one of the posts that I posted. I said, day one, you know, and I throw out a, some calf and cow sounds. This bull answers. But I was so fired up that I heard my first bugle of the year that I bugle back at him. <laughs> I didn't need to bugle back at him. Why did I do that? Yep. I was just fired up to do it. Yep. I was like, oh, I got to Let me see if I can get him riled up. Well, he's already riled up. Here's the cows and calves. He sounds off. He gives his location. Just shut up and move in that area. Right. And I talked about that during this uh, elk seminar that I did just the past weekend at Shields in Colorado Springs. Listen, we get so emotionally attached to it because now we got them to sound off. Now we want them to talk and talk and keep talking. Yep. Well, we forget the mission. The mission is to fill the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> so how about we just move in that location, keep the wind in our favor. We don't say anything until we get roughly to maybe 200 yards or closer to where he sounded off. But rewind, I wanted him to talk a little bit more. <laughs> and I throw out a bugle with a chuckle, and I'm like, why'd you do that? I asked myself that question afterwards. I was like, why'd you do that? Why didn't we just move in that location? And we did. And we got into that bull, and I called that bull in. But... I could have done that just by simply shutting up, pinpointing his location, and then moving in there. So don't get caught up on, like, getting him to talk. Oh, I heard my first bull. Why are we doing that? I heard him. He sounded off. But let's move in that location, cut the distance. So he don't, he don't have to go half a mile. He goes 100 to 200 yards to find us. We move in that location. We sound off again, and then boom, he's more intrigued to come in when you're closer, and he knew you cut that distance on him. And the, the, so the problem as well, right, is is now he responded to the cow sound. Now I'm introducing a bull into the mix. You don't even, you don't have eyes on him. You don't know if he has his cows with him, what kind of bull he is, if he got beat up during, you know, the bachelor fest. You might have pushed him out of country. By just throwing that chuckle out. And I've said, I've seen that. I've done it, <laughs> you know, hit yes, him with it. Yes, Same I've thing, man. You, you hit him with that emotion and, you you know, you finally making your way and you see him pushing. He's hooking and, and prodding his cows to get him off to the next ridge. You know, you so this is what I do. In that, yeah, this is what I do in that situation. Like, don't. He sounds off the cow sounds, right? Sounds off the cow sounds. And 
let's say he bugles with cow sounds. Then you say, I know where he is. So you start moving your way to that area and you get within that 200 to 150 yard range. You think you're close enough. Don't introduce another bull. Just introduce the same sounds that he sounded off to. That's right. Sounded off to cow and calf sounds. Boom. He sounded off to it. Okay. Boom. You do the same thing. Don't introduce another bull if he still sounded, if he's sounding off to that sound, keep the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will tell you is this. Is as I'm moving in closer, he sounded off to my cows, cows and calves sounds. I'm moving in closer and I get to that 100, 200 yard range. I'm listening to, because if he does have calves and cows, I'm listening for them too. Maybe they're not saying anything, but maybe you hear one cow sound. One twig okay. break. Okay. A twig break. Mm -hmm. You hear a cow, and then now you know he's got cows. You don't know about calves, but you got a cow, and he's with that cow. And now maybe, maybe I hit him with the contact bugle. Contact Deagle saying, where you at? Right? As I get closer, where you at? This bull came out of nowhere because he bugled. I bugled way down there. I didn't say anything, but maybe he, another bull comes in from a different direction and I hit him with a contact bugle. Where you at? And that contact bugle is like a wavy note. It's a little growly sound. It sounds kind of like this, if you can hear me. Chris Rowe talks about contact bugles. I like it. He, yeah, I'm just saying, where you at? I've walked all this way to see where you are. Show yourself. Where are you at? Yep. Show yourself. And so I'm listening as I'm moving through the woods, as I get closer to that, that area that he, he gave himself away on, right? And it's hard to pinpoint. Elk are really good at it. Humans are horrible at it. So let's talk. We, we are horrible. Yeah, I was actually, exactly where it was. as you were talking, right, and talking about judging that distance. That's that's another one um, where I think we fail. Is you know we we pipe off whatever it is, right? Location bugle, you know, make mewing or whatever. Lost cow, that bull pipes off, and we immediately start going right. Oh, he's right there. He's right there, and right. you know, you you freeze up. You know, you're just sitting there. Um, how, what do you do? What have you done over the years? How did you nail down that distance element, if you will? No, I mean, it's still a challenge to this day. If you ask any expert elk hunter that's hunted for years, it's still a challenge. You, you can estimate but your estimate is just an estimate. It's a guess. All right, I think he's 600 yards when he might be 400 yards. And sometimes I overshoot. Sometimes I undershoot. Sometimes I think he's, you know, half a mile away when he was only doggone 400 yards away. I, 
it just depends. And then when you have that sound that's echoing off trees or 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 it's open and you think he's way further than he really is because the sound is dispersed. But when you're in trees and it's dense, like a lot of areas that I hunt really like a lot of like open meadows, but but big dense trees, these these elk can deceive you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would be fooled. You'd be like, oh, he's 700 yards away. Bro, he was only 300 yards away. You just overshot him. You walked right past him. He walked right past you. You walked past I've had it happen where the elk walks past me. I'm calling in a bull. He walks past me. I walk past him. Yeah. It's crazy how far they sound, but they could be closer too. So even as a seasoned hunter, I, I overshoot that sometimes all the, all the time anyways. I think, so. yeah, like you said, right, that that's a hard one to work out, and I've been trying to figure it out. And the best thing that I can relate it to or try and, you know, relate it to in my head is the more high frequency I hear, the less bottom frequency I hear. That's that's kind of where you're stuck judging it, right? The, the Those lower frequencies, they're getting sucked up fast. Those higher frequencies, man, that's, you know, as far as our ears go, that that might be, you know, half a mile, three quarters of a mile, mile off. Um, right. If I'm only hearing that high, that high frequency, I'm like, okay, I got some distance to cover. Um, but man, there, there's, there's really no telling it. Uh, that's a hard it, it really, thing. That That is man. And I'm telling you, even your seasoned elk hunters still have issues with that. Because I mean, I, I remember last year I was with my wife and we had a bull respond from over I, I, if you go on my Instagram, you'll see, I, I bugle with the, uh, the, the easy bugle, uh, tube. I took the tube off and I just used the diaphragm with the metal tube and I threw it out there for, with felt skin calls. That's a really good tube, especially during the wind. It's so high in frequency. And, uh, I said, I know I'm not going to get them an answer with my other tube and I can't hear them. So it's about 30, 40 mile an hour gust. And I bugle across this, this drainage. And sure enough, this bull answers. We can hear him. Lightly hear him. I pinpoint exactly kind of where he was. And we had to walk around to get to him. And then by the time we got over there, this dude had went down a drainage and was right by a creek bed and went over on the side we were originally on. <laughs> so we went all the way around and then to find out that he was on our side. And then, you know, and, then, and uh, I say this, he would bugle and then we move in close and I'm like, dang, I don't know how far he is. So it's tough even for the seasoned hunters to know exactly how far he was. So when you see all these videos, you're like, yeah, he's about, Three, four hundred yards. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, no. It's just an estimate. It's just an estimate. Yeah. Right? A, uh, A. Uh, 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 I don't even know the word. There ain't no word for that, man, because it's really licking no. your thumb and putting in the air and going, I think he might be this far. You know, exactly. I mean, unless you're unless you're on this real narrow drainage and it's, you know, 35, 45 degrees straight up and down damn near. And, and you can and that sound kind of 
captures in there, but that even that presents its own challenges because now the sound is bouncing off one side and going back to the other. Right. So you're, you're That's really, right. really up against it. And, and in my head, the only thing that you can do is once you, once you feel like you've got them pinpointed is just start moving that direction. And then man, can't emphasize enough how much your eyes have to just be working the entire tree line as far as you could see out in front of you looking for looking for anything a tip of an antler man an ear moving you know that butt um it's right. a trip man even thick timber look for get down low and look for legs yep. get we, down low and look for legs when we were in 71 oh sorry go ahead brother go ahead go ahead 71 when we were in 71 last year there was this uh this little ridge system, right? And, and just for easy description is if you had, you took from, you know, the top of your hand, you took from your thumb and you drew a crescent moon across the top of your hand to your pinky. That's how this ridge system was. Okay. It was, it was right. the moon shaping back and it had these four ridges that came off on it. And this bull, man, he's just talking, talking. I'm talking to him. He's talking back, talking, talking. I'm like, all right, he's he's right here. I, I heard him wrestling in the bushes over there. So we went to the first ridge, climbed up, creeping in. You know, get up there and nothing. Silence. Don't hear anything. Right? Hit him with, hit him with another call. He pipes off again. Oh, man, he's got to be over on the second ridge. So we make our way over, creeping, you know, get the wind right, come back up and approach the second ridge. You know, and, and we did this through that entire system of, of ridges, went back to the first one, hit him with the locate. He pipes off. I'm like, OK, he's got to be on the fourth one. Right. <laughs> we start walking to the yeah. fourth one. We're in the wide open trying to trying to beeline it. And we had been playing with him for a while. We get over there and I look up and I'm like, oh, no, I'm busted. So I'm, I crouched down. I told, told Brandon, I go, look, go, go around, get up on him. He's right there. This bull dude, he comes off of the fourth Ridge. We had probably walked off of it, not 20 minutes prior and comes in and shows itself, right? He sticks his head out and he's, he's a decent rag for, and he's a legal bull. That's all Brandon was going after. So Brandon skates around and this sucker's 70 yards outside of me he has me pinned i can't move i can't call i can't do a daggum thing and it was just like that whole day come to find out because i've seen him a few more times he was always on that same freaking ridge when he was calling he was never on the first three and it was just like man it was amazing how bad we were at at judging his distance and his location in that in that little system there it's something and else, it man. happens. It happens, man. I, I I will tell you that I've underestimated that many, many times. Many, many times. What I will tell you is this is if you hear him, use the wind in your favor and move into that location as close as possible. And then a lot of times what I do is I Damn, drop me. <laughs> oh my God. So I was uh I was saying, I said, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times people make the mistake of really like like you know not not knowing not knowing the distance. And then they go in there and they make the mistake of 
uh, of calling calling differently than they did when uh, when they got the response. Mm-hmm. So I say this again. If he's responded with cow sounds, move in, close the distance as close as you can. I, I do use this technique. I do use this technique. And, I, and hopefully this helps out the, the viewers uh, when, they, when they're trying to, to find or locate elk. I do use the point of me... I use the point of me saying, okay, I located him. He he was 700 yards. I thought he was about 700 yards. Then I move in at what I think is maybe 200 yards, 500 yards from where I was. And then I might throw out another soft location view. Soft, not very hard. Not demanding. Contact bugle is what I was referring to earlier when I know the distance, um, but when I don't know the distance, I'll throw out another, another location bugle, but it's a lot softer, a lot softer. And that helps me out a lot. But when you're trying to cut that distance, no matter who you're talking to, even the professionals will tell you, dude, it's tough. It's tough knowing that distance. And then when you get on that film and, and we talked about it, I'm just recapping a little bit. When you talk about, ah, he was 200 yards. You don't know exactly how far he was. You just think your ear is telling you 200 yards. He could actually be a lot closer than you think he is. Yeah, Hopefully I'm, that answers the yeah, question that you... Yeah. I, I don't even know. I was, I was trying to think, uh, you know, as we're talking about this, how you would work that out. And, and honestly, man, you'd have to live in the woods. I mean, you you would have to be so accustomed to how sound carries in there. I mean, you're talking almost the impossibility to ever get that nailed down. Yes. It's it's almost an impossible yeah. thing to nail down, but um, I, I, I'm guilty. I overshoot or I undershoot sometimes. And um, I've been there, man. I, I had a particular bull that, that I'm going to go down this rabbit hole real quick. I had a particular bull. I left these guys. I said, hey, man. I said, y'all can play with these small bulls, but I got to tag the field. I said, jet it off after them. And when I did that, I, when I did that, I took off, jet, I, they, they had GPS location of the truck and whatnot. And this was back in the GPS days before Onyx was really like a big thing. And um, so I jetted off and I heard this bull. Ooh, he sounded off at, at you know, he loped. I location bugle, he location bugle. So I start cutting the distance and I'm hauling butt to get to him. And as I get, as I get to this meadow, I locate again. It sounded like he was 200 yards. So I started not sprinting, but really walking in the fast pace to get to his direction because I don't have too much time left in the day um, before it gets dark. And I overshot this bull. And I was like, man, where is this bull at? And I did, I did a contact bugle. What I did earlier, I just did a contact bugle. Lo and behold, 
the bull was going into the meadow that I had crossed. <laughs> he was to my right. He was to my hard right. He basically would have walked across the same path as me if I didn't do that contact bugle. He was right on top of me. The bull spins around, comes through the woods, and I said, this is the bull I'm going to shoot just because of this occasion. He was a funky old horn bull, and it was great. The how it played out, I smacked him at 30 yards. He maybe went 35 when I watched him fall. But sometimes you'll overshoot them because you're thinking they further. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, even the, even the seasoned hunters overshoot or undershoot all the time. Okay. So, so with that scenario, right, would you err on the side of caution? Or is the rule to be aggressive? Now, that could be taken as a kind of a two-prong, right, uh, based on time you have in the woods, how the bull's responding to you, um, you know, your your skill level and, and, and skill set as an elk hunter. You know, for me, I think, I think I, I've been, in most instances, maybe overly cautious until I stop caring about just punching a tag. And when I say it, I, you know, I want this kind of bull. So if I pass on other bulls and I get to play with them, I'm like, ah, no worries, man. And I've, and, and for me, I found that being a bit more aggressive in my approach, I'm not saying my calling and I'm showing a bunch of aggression. I'm saying when I locate that animal and moving in, I'm a bit more aggressive in that and not calling. I don't want to get the two anybody to hear that thing and I'm saying, you know, be aggressive in your calling. But there's a time and place for no. that as well. Yeah, it is a time and place for that. But I, I will tell you this is uh humanize it, right? Uh Joe Turner talks about it the best. Humanize it, right? So I humanize everything. So let's just take this as an example, right? That particular scenario where I locate it he located back. I almost heard an aggressive location bugle. Like, where you at? That's kind of what I heard. And that's why I kind of took off in that direction as fast as I could without tripping over all the weeds and trees and, you know, without uh, fumbling everything, right? <clears throat> he was so aggressive in his sound that's why I took off in that direction as fast as I could because I knew that bull was hot and ready. Now, I'm going to say humanize this. And I'm going to rewind a little bit. Humanize this. Listen, if we're talking about two guys that, that are about to fight, right? They could be yelling, yelling across the bar, yelling across the bar. And Joe Turner explains this the best. They can be yelling across the bar. And the reason why he explains the best because he, he was a former police officer and, and he's dealt with a lot of these, <laughs> these things. And, and I love it. I love it. I love it when he tells stories. Uh, and they, they're yelling across the bar. They could be a hundred yards away from each other. And this guy has some animosity with this other guy, maybe some altercations earlier. And, and then that one guy said something wrong. Something wrong. He elevated his voice towards this other guy. Another guy's like, well, hell, come on and do it. You know? <laughs> and 
and they heard each other from a distance. Now they starting to cut the distance. Both of them are starting to cut the distance. Now, there's a time and a place for it. But I like to listen to the elk and their elevation of their voice and their emotion in their calls. If you have a lot of emotion in calls, like the elk are calling back with a lot of emotion, I don't speak Russian. I don't speak Spanish. But I could understand body language and I could understand the escalation of your voice. So if you want to fight, I know you're getting pissed by elevating your voice. Now, you might not want what's coming, but you started elevating your voice to a point where it sounds like you want to fight. Right? And what most novice elk hunters do is they go escalating to the point where you just messed up everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to read that, that temperature. Oh, it's starting to heat up. It's starting to heat up. Once it heats up to a point where he's boiling over, no matter what call you do, that elk is coming in. But you have to build to that point. Now, I'm at the club, and I'm trying to find a wifey. Right? I'm trying to find a wifey. And sometimes it's good to be aggressive, but some women don't like to be aggressive. So you you play it on both sides of the field. But I will tell you this. We're talking about killing good bulls and killing bulls on a yearly basis. I base it off their elevation of their voice. If they're nonchalant, then you probably need to be nonchalant. Just mimic them. Hey, I just want to be social. Okay. Hey, I'm going to be social with you. Let me go over there and meet you. Mm-hmm. You know, in the woods, I mean, in, in, in uh, humanizing it, we go over there and we shake hands with them. Hey, man, seeing you over here chilling by yourself. Hey, uh, how's it going? What's your name? And then you got them, the bar fighters, right? The ones that want to fight. They've escalated to a point where they start yelling at each other, like, Oh, Jesus, here we go. Yeah, cut him off, right? bartender. <laughs> yeah, cut him off. <laughs> Time to kill the drinks. But but hopefully I answer your question, man. Like, sometimes you got to kind of dial it down. Sometimes you got to pick it up. And I, I base that off of the elk and what they're saying when they say it. So, so you may be saying with all that, you need to know the language. <laughs> you gotta know. The you gotta language. know the language, right? And, and that's you gotta know one. And that's it's kind of hard, right? If we're talking, if we're talking, you know, life got in the way with you know, and and the guy's going down the going down this path, and it's late, and he's scrambling. Would would you say in that instance? I already know what you're gonna say. Lover or fighter? If you if you life got in the way, which are you choosing? Love over fighting. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love over fighting. Because I I said this earlier, earlier. You're let's 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 just base this off of what sounds you hear the most in the woods and it's calf and cow sounds. It's calf and cow sounds. Now, bulls escalate during September because it's the rut. They escalate September, even in October. They escalate. They're really loud and they're vocal. But elk are vocal all year round. 
and bulls bugle all year round. They just don't do it as much. They don't do it as much. But when during the rut, they get loud and vocal. Bulls do. Cows communicate all year round with cow and calf sounds. So the sounds that you're going to hear in the woods, the most are calf and cow sounds. And if you can master those, you are going to set yourself above everybody else. Okay. Man, you make it so easy, brother. Your your money call, right? Your money call in terms well, of I, cow I'll sounds. I try to. Uh, <laughs> Your money call in terms of of cow sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I'm watching, is that estrus buzz. What what makes that such a powerful tool in your repertoire? Well, let's go back. Listen, your 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 basic sounds are calf and cow sounds. Now your estrus buzz, how many times? I, I even said this during this this seminar this past weekend. I said, raise your hand. And I kept my hand raised because I've heard it. Raise your hand if you've heard estrus buzz, estrus scream in the woods. Have you heard that? And no one raised their hand but me. And I said this. I said, it's not a common call. That call happens when that that cow is in heat and she needs to be checked. Now, just for, for like your new callers, your estrus buzz sounds like this. It has a nasty rasp to it and it carries on for a while. You don't hear that a lot in the woods. I've only heard it two times myself you see videos of it but you don't hear it much and i say two times myself i was with my wife so she's only heard it two times right so the estrus buzz is not a call that i use until i know the rut is in full swing now if i can't pull that full that that herd bull the bull that i really want to get in if I can't pull him from his cows, I will use that call because they have to be checked. They have to be checked. And those bulls will come in to check those cows. Now, he might not always do it. And it didn't happen last year. And I, I, had, I had about three, it was about a 360 bull that I was trying to pull in my wife. And he had about 30 cows. But you talking about 30 cows. And that, that's an estimate. He, he had quite a few cows. If he, if I had a chance at him, I thought it was a bull moving in to steal cows or I bust him with an extra screen and, or extra buzz and maybe I pull him closer. Lo and behold, he was deep into, you know, maybe 150 yards from us. And we had cows floating all around us within 50 to 30 yards from us. And I hit him with the estrus scream or estrus buzz or whatever you want to call it. And I pulled him within 70 yards. And that's the closest I can get to him. But he came in, but he had so many cows to, 
to check that he was the big man. But I don't use that car a lot, but it is something that you have to keep in your back pocket just in case. Now, what if the shot was clean? If the shot was clean at 70 yards, I know my wife can make a 70 yard shot, but the shot wasn't clean. It's trees, too many trees, too many limbs. It's not a it's not an ethical shot. And we know we ain't gonna take that shot. So my wife never even drew her ball, her bow. But we both seen seen that bull and we 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 were on that bull. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, we got it. <clears throat> I just you know, you watch the watch your videos and, and quite a few of them last year. Um, you know, I heard that buzz and I'm like, man, he's just out there killing it with it. And it's so it's so nice yeah. sounding too, right? And that's a sound I have. I mean, I've heard just about everything under the sun with them, and I haven't heard that. Um, so I, I'm I'm anxious to hear it, and then you know, glunking that when that bull is glunking and he's 20, 30 yards right on top of you, man, that's the coolest daggum sound, boy. It's like you, you're all like you're you're stumped for a second, right? Because you're awestruck about it, and it's like I actually heard this some is glunk. You hear him glunking, you know he's he's thirty and under, and that man, that's another sound. Well, Remember this, remember this. If you could hear him glunking like that, he has cows. So what's your what's your approach gonna be? Because he's checking cows. He's checking cows, he's licking his lips and his tongue hits the top of his roof of his mouth and it drops off and it makes that clunking sound. And that sound is an indication that he has cows with him. When you hear that sound, you you you're really close to that bull because it it doesn't resonate through the woods like a bugle does. Not at all. It's really close. You 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 got to be close to hear that sound. And when you hear that sound, you the the first thing you should be in your brain should be he has cows. Okay, maybe I should do calf and cow sounds to pull them a little closer or maybe a nest scream, you know, to get them to check you. Right. So, um, that glunking sound, that is a tough sound to make, but what a lot of people do on those tubes, they pop the end of that tube. They pop the end of the tube to make that sound. Hopefully that helps out because, you know, certain tubes make certain sounds and, if you could find that that bubble sound, then you're right on the money of it. And it, there's only a few people that I know that can make that sound with a diaphragm. Joe Turner. I was gonna say a couple. Of, there's only one that I've he's, heard. He's money. <laughs> he's money. I, I've heard uh, uh, Rocky Jacobson do it. As good as Joel. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> Joel, Joel sounds like a dang elk, dude. Like you, Joel's the best. You, you. If you turned your back and you put an elk on one side with tag A and and Joel on the other side with tag B, dude, you're gonna pick B right. fifty or more percent of the That's time. Right. He's that damn good with it. That's right, and uh, he he's mastered that. And I'm I'm still learning from him, but he he's mastered that. I told him, I said, give me one year and I'll learn it. And I still haven't learned it. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I heard him do it, you know, I'm playing with it and I'm decent at it, right? I'm decent, but it's nothing. 
it's not even close. Like if 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 a bull is that close to me and I'm glunking, he's gonna figure me out, right? Like he's gonna figure me out. You listen to Joel, and it's like, dude, I, you better watch that in the woods, buddy, because you're gonna have an arrow pointed your way at some point. I mean, it is that yeah. damn good. When he when he goes through a, a breeding sequence, he he is legit, dude. Dude, he would pull me in in a heartbeat. <laughs> so he would pull me. How how long? How long do you work a setup or a bull or an area, right? Because a lot of times you hear stuff and it's, you know, man, I was in there and, you know, it's always longer. It always feels longer than it actually is. So if, you know, err on the side of caution and somebody's saying it was 45 minutes, it was probably like 15 to 20. So how long do you work a setup or scenario or a bull? Um, how, How does that look? when you're out i i go based off of like his his temperature and i talked about this earlier i go based off his temperature like like is he really intrigued does he really want to like fight or communicate or and if he starts shutting up for a long period of time then it's probably like it's I said this, it's like humanizing it. Like, if you're talking to somebody and they start shutting up for a long time, then why are you still talking? Why are you still talking? And I, I've been around a lot of people that, like, man, we just ain't gelling. The conversation ain't going anywhere. And, and then you start dibbling, dabbling on your phone or, or whatever it might be. <laughs> Just so you ain't have, you don't have to talk. It's the same thing out in the woods. If that elk is not intrigued, he starts shutting up. He's like, I don't really care about that stuff. I don't even really know what the hell he's saying. You know, neither does he. (laughs) Neither does he. Neither does he. And so once you start getting that temperature gauge, then you need to start judging that off of where you need to go with your calls, right? So sometimes when that elk starts not saying anything, maybe I don't see anything. Maybe I say a cow call every now and then. He might not say anything. It doesn't mean the game's over. It just means that he wasn't intrigued, but you do have ladies. You do have ladies. And during this particular time of the month, when we involve ladies, it's like a strip club, right? One comes out, she dances a little bit, and then he's not very intrigued by her, and then you introduce another lady. And then all of a sudden, dollars the escalation. Yeah, the, yeah, the dollar <laughs> starts flying. And then, and then next thing you know, his his temperature starts raising. Mm-hmm. So I base it off his temp. And what I mean by temp for, for viewers that are just trying to get into elk calling is escalation of voice or, or motion in calls. Once he does that, then we money. We money. If he, if he rips off at the beginning, then we good. His temperature is already high. Just keep it high. You say humanizing it. That's a, that, 
my kids a little flag. That's a pretty GD good analogy, right? Because you want, you want, if the first one doesn't impress, you want to have that elk sitting on the opposite side of that stage table bar with his mouth wide open, drooling, can't take his eyes with with a stack of ones already thrown up on <laughs> on and, the and stage. <laughs> that's, it. that's it, right? That's that's the response you want. You want that drooling guy on the other end that you're laughing at. That's that's really what you're trying to entice as we are building this and escalating the scenario. That's right. That's right. That's a great. It is. Analogy. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I literally, I base everything that when I go into the woods, that that's it right there. I base everything off of, like I humanize everything. Uh, and once you get to that, that stage of, of your, you know, elk hunting career, and if for the guys that couldn't learn the curve down, but once you get to that stage, man, it's huge. It's huge. You will change the game for yourself. Okay, but so you, I can't oh, believe. Go ahead. I I can't believe people are still hitting you up talking about what 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 what. Uh, you know, I, it, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, if you just on Instagram, right? You can Dan Staten. I'm gonna just say Dan, right? Dan puts so much consumptive out there. Like, how did you miss the short yellow bus? Right. I mean, he is Dan is grinding. He's grinding, but more so he's grinding to make sure that there is content available to keep you going. Joe Gillian, the Elk Bros. Right. There's more constant content, constant podcasts, all about elk, putting it out there. So it it it. I can't wrong somebody because I don't know their situation, where they're at, if they decided to take it up you know, last minute, but man, it's like, dang, you, you really missing it. You really missing it. It's crunch time. You know, it, it just, it's a trip, man. It's like, okay, it was, it's been so much lately that I'm like, okay, I need this person on this person on this person on, because we got to talk about these certain things in this approach. Um, it was a little concerning, dude. It was a little bit concerning and you don't want nobody to go out there and, 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 You don't want, I, I don't want guys to go to the woods and not notch their tag, right? But I do want them, especially in the elk woods, you want to go out there and you want to earn it and you want to learn. And that's where I think that that the earning it comes from is the education that the elk will give you in every encounter. Uh, or for the lack of encounters, you're educating yourself. If you know there's elk in the area and you're not having encounters, then you can evaluate and say, hey, what am I doing wrong? Uh, but if you're not taking this information in, these these readily available, mostly free or very cheap consumptives, you're doing yourself a disservice in the elk woods, man. Right, right. So I, I you know, just kind of, you know, caviar off of what you're talking about. I I have the same, same kind of thing. People are hit me up. But I will say this is you have your non-residents that apply for tags. And they haven't been successful year in and year out to get a tag. Then when they do get a tag, they're not ready. They got a tag. And they're like, holy smokes, my credit card just got hit. Oh, my God. I'm going elk hunting this year. Hold on. 
Colorado, Colorado, for example, doesn't throw out draws until June for the primary draw. June. So if you have June, July, and August to get ready. Give them give them half of August. By by the second week of August, if you ain't packed, oh, ready to yeah, go. August. So you got two and a half. <laughs> yep. Yeah, two and a half months. Yeah. And then they freak out and then they start reaching out to people like me and you and they say, What do I need to do? I don't know. I mean, you know, do you know the area? This, that, this. And but the practice should not just start then. If you're applying for a tag and you know you're gonna apply for a tag. It should be 365. Yes, sir. Why? Why are you starting now and not during? So if I drew the tag, then I'm ready. I'm ready for this season because I've practiced. I practice with my archery equipment. I practice with my calls. I'm ready. But the minute you draw the tag, now you want to practice? Or now you want to be the hero? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I will say, I will say, I'm, I'm, there's something to be said about a guy laying his pride down and saying, Hey man, I just, I need a little bit of help. What do you think about that? There's something to be said about that. So I got to I got to give credit where credit is due. Cause that's, you know what I mean? That's basically admitting, admitting the flaw. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to be said about that, but yeah, it's like, dang man, you know, you can get it, you get out there and get it done, but don't, but don't go in there without tempered expectations. Um, and then, you know, some of it, some of it too, as you look around and there is so much information and I've heard that too, right? There's so much that I don't know where to start. I have no idea where to start. So then you got a guy that's going through, you know, four and five uh, of the programs trying to do it at the same time. And, and none of it is making any sense because now you got this meld over. You didn't give enough time you know, if you go, if you go to Elk 101 and you go through all the modules, you go to Elk Bros, you go through all the modules. If you do that back to back, man, you're going to lose somewhere. You're going to mix something up. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. Just cutting yourself on that time is, is a rough one. And man, I've, I've been through it all. Dude, I'm listening to stuff that I found value in two years ago. I'm, I'm rolling around for the refresher right now, every day, you know, and just like, what was that? What was that? I'll go back and listen to my podcast with you or Dirk or, you know, and, and just go, it, it, there's, it's, it's never ending. Right. And you got to really figure out, okay, this works for me. I could dig this. I understand this. Cause some of it, man, it's, it's kind of gruesome to get through. Right. Especially if you're new in it and you don't understand half of what's going on in the woods. Anyway, you're just getting a baseline. It's like, it's like preschool, barely kindergarten. Until you get out into yep. the woods with it, right? Yep. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm this pre-K elk hunter. Now I'm trying to go graduate high school in seven days. And I'm walking into the I'm walking into the the big yard with a pre-K education on how they get down here. You know, and it and it's it's intimidating. Some of us think we're better than we actually are. Um, I mean, there's, there's just a plethora of stuff. Right. And then we start focusing on gear and we start focusing. I shouldn't say start. We, we, we tend to focus on things that matter less than our ability with the language and our proficiency behind 
the stick and string. Um, but it, it's it's a lot to meander through, man. It is a lot to meander through. There's so much out there, you know? It, it is. And, and you, you got to decipher from, you know, all the social media stuff and then all the YouTube stuff. Man, to all the viewers, I personally watch so many elk videos, so many elk videos, self-film videos to TV show videos. And I could tell you right now, 90% of the stuff that I do watch is okay. It's only the 10% of the stuff that I really take away from like, wow, that was perfectly set up or that was perfectly executed. And what I will tell you is this, take, take in as much knowledge as you can, but you don't, don't read every line. Just look at it for what it is and then decipher what you want to decipher. It's almost like me coaching wrestling. Listen, I'm going to teach you this move, but when you execute the move, it might be a little different. It might be just a little different, but it's the same move. It's just executed a little different. So you you have a lot of information out there that I can't say is bad information because, you know, there's, there's some decent information out there. But there's a lot of information out there that's just floating that is not... It's not perfect information. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and like, I don't think I don't think there's any intent to be perfect information because right, every freaking right. elk hunter knows that there ain't no perfect situation in there. And I was writing that. Right. I wrote that down earlier. Right? Is go in with a game plan, right? Like like we're saying here, get gather everything you can, and I don't care. Write it down if you gotta if you gotta write down um, what a breeding sequence is. I mean, have a play card, right? I you got quarterbacks that make $40 million five years and they looking at their wrist. So they know the next play. Sleep. Yeah. They're right? looking at their sleeve. Right. It's simple. Take take a three by five card or put it in your, I don't recommend the phone because you don't want that in your hand. You can go drop it. Three by five cards, easy. I'm old school. Put it on there. If you got to drop it, heat a moment, blah, 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 blah. Right? Go with a game plan, but understand that you got to read the elk, the situation, you want to run your playbook, but the elk don't know your playbook. So you're going to have to adjust your game to their game while still playing on the fly. Your game. On the fly. Within seconds, this has to happen, right? You're on the fly. I love that. I love that. Situational love that. awareness. Oh, sorry, bro. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say your situational awareness and your response to that has to be on point the only way that you're going to remember this is to ingrain it right what, what is that avk audio visual kinetics right either you read All you right. hear or you do right it's hard to do in the elk woods when you're not in the elk woods so you got to rely on the other two unless you're going out and you're playing scenarios with your buddies that's something altogether different because the elk still don't respond the way we anticipate so, yeah, that's all I had to say there. Go ahead, brother. Hey, well, I'm a caviar off of what you just said. I love that because you have to adjust on the fly. So, so humanize it, right? A quarterback has a play 
He looked at that five that 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 five by eight card on his, in his wrist. He knows what play's going. They got the microphone in his ear. They said, "Hey, let's run this eight by seven double boom, whatever play it is." Right? Call the audible. He looked at it and says, "He tells everybody, we're running this this play." All of a sudden, the defense throws something in the wrench, and then. There is a wide receiver wide open to the right, and he was going to pass to the left. And all of a sudden, he adjusts, he looks over to the right, makes that play, boom, touchdown, right? Dude, you have to adjust on the fly out there. And you think, you might think everything's going to play out one way, but it's always going to change out there. And you have to be a, a, a uh, versatile. Mm-hmm. You have to be versatile when you're out there, especially when you're calling in the elk because these guys are trying to survive and you're trying to fill the freezer. Yeah. We get, uh, most of us get seven to 10 days. And, you know, if you're dealing with a five, six, seven year old bull, it's an everyday occurrence, right? And, and that's, that's your competition. But the biggest is ourselves, right? We are our biggest competition, even in the Elk Woods, man. It's, uh, I think that's what makes it, though, right? Is it, that's at least for me, that's what makes it. Is like, I I can set my standard well above my capability. I have to be okay with falling flat on my face, but there ain't no problem. I mean, you you set it up, but you may have to go play a defensive type game based on the offense that they're throwing at you constantly, man. It, it just, I don't know. I love that dude. I'm so excited for that dance. <laughs> I can't wait, dude. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah. No, you, it's a, well, elk, elk hunting is tough. And I, I would say it's some of the toughest hunting, but it's some of the most rewarding hunting. And not only that is, once you be able, once you're able to speak that language, dude, man, it is so rewarding after you called in such a majestic animal that's so big, and he's speaking to you, and you killed that animal. It's 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 rewarding, and 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 I love it to death. Mm-hmm. I ain't no hunting in the world that's better than this. That's that's I'm right there with you, man. Right there with you. So why don't you hit them with a closer, man? That that one last, you out of time, motivational closer. Well, I will tell you this. Listen, uh, we get trapped into everyday life and things that we have to do outside, you know, to pay the bills. But when on the moment and on the fly, never forget, the, the moment that you want to spend in the woods and practice those moments, meaning elk calling, archery shooting, make sure your, your equipment's good. And when you do get that free time to go out elk hunting, whether it's 10, 30, whatever days it is, that you've dedicated time to fill that freezer and live that moment. So I live this and I live this to today. I didn't have a lot of time to practice for elk calling competitions. It is what it is. But I will tell you this. I'm always honing my skills 
day in and day out through videos. And, and every day when I come home, I spend some time talking to or watching stuff that's going to make me better. If I don't have time to pull my bow back, I'm watching people shoot through videos and talk about this stuff. Or, or people talking about elk hunting and, and elk calling. Every day I'm watching that. Even if I don't have time to practice, I'm learning through their skills and mis- their mistakes. And that hones my skills too. So it's almost like an NFL uh, football player. They, they watch videos a lot. And, and believe it or not, that improves their skills. That improves their skills. So hone them skills in because you really only have one month before September. Here it is. Uh, let me look at the calendar. I think it's uh, August 1st. August 1st. Oh. For you and I, season is uh, tomorrow makes it an even month, bro. Even month. It's time to go. It's, it's time, time to go. So what I will tell you is if you haven't been practiced, practice. If you haven't tried to hone your skills in the elk call, elk call. If you need to get behind the boat more, get behind the boat more. But it's almost too late for that stuff. But it is not too late. Just get out there and do what you got to do for this whole month to make sure it counts in September. That's it. Well, my brother, always, always an honor, man. I appreciate you jumping on with me, man. Um, actually, I'll be seeing you in what? About a week and a half now, huh? Uh, a week and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's going to be some fun. I talked to Joe yesterday, so he's coming up. So we're going to have a full yep. full house of bangers up there. That's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait. I think folks are going to be scared. No, I think this is a kickoff to something that's going to be even, it's going to be great. Yeah, this is going to be amazing, man. So I'm excited to uh, shake hands again, brother. But man, as as I uh, keep saying, I appreciate you, man. Um, thank you for taking the time to educate folks uh, in this pursuit. Um, I know how passionate you are about it. You know how passionate I am about it, man. So there's nothing better that we can share this, man, on the constant. So thank you. Oh man, no problem, brother. I love that. I love to do it every moment and to cut those learning curves down for the new, the new elk hunters. Man, it's it's always a special moment when I get, you know, get on with some podcasts and, and share stories and talk about elk hunting. Appreciate you. Appreciate you.